You're an interesting man. Scott Lang. Um, I don't know who you are, but you've made a big mistake. Okay? I'm an Avenger. I've called the other Avengers. You're an Avenger? Have I killed you before? <laughs> what? They all blur together after a while. You're not the one with the hammer. That's Thor. We get confused a lot. Similar body types. Who are you? Just a man who's lost a lot of time, like you. But we can help each other with that. Alright, what's the word guys? What's up everybody? Welcome to Bros, Breakdowns, Reviews, and Other Shit. Thanks for pulling up. My name is Bobby, I'll be your host. With me is my brother, my best friend. He is not a dick. Brandon, you wanna say what's up? What My name is Bobby and I am not a dick. Cat remember Modoc? No. <laughs> Well, give me something. Shit. What? Oh. Let me say. Worked on that intro. <laughs> it's like the only funny thing he said, I guess. Uh. No. I guess we'll get into it. When everyone was calling him Darren, I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. It's just a funny. I mean, just he didn't have name. to say anything funny. It just like, did you see that little video I sent to you of? of the, the Midnight Boys from the Ringiverse talking about it. Yeah. So what the fuck are we doing here? Bro? <laughs> what the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> <laughs> and fans like, Charlie, you were not fucking with Modoc. That's funny. Yeah. Anyways, today's mathematics, if you haven't been able to tell already, is a review of the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Wait, the, wa- the Wasp was in this movie, bro? Yeah, that's what I was hearing too. Yeah, she's must, like barely in it. Must have went to the restroom at that part. Yeah, and then someone was saying if they're talking about Michelle Pfeiffer as the Wasp, then yeah. Uh, okay, that's a reach. Yeah, was she like the original wa- original Wasp? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Uh, I tried to. I think this is like the thirty something movie in the MCU. I forgot to look this up, but um, it's at third. It's in the thirties now. Not not quite to forty. I think movie and shows or movies. Uh. Movie, I think. Let me see. But it's in the 30s for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's... F- oh, shit, there's f- there is 40. It says 40 here, right here. How many shows are there now? Well, the shows is... There's Loki, Wanda... I feel like that's counting Hawk- the shows, too. Hawkeye. There's a fuckload. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, this one uh, is uh, adding to that fuckload. Directed by Peyton Reed, written by Jeff Loveness. Peyton Reed directed all the other two. So this is the third installment into the Ant-Man trilogy. I don't know if they're going to, they haven't confirmed if they're going to do more, but this is the third Ant-Man movie. I can't believe this. I remember when this was first announced, Edgar Wright was, was, he, he, he had already began working on it. I just time is flying by so fast and can't believe we're already at the third Ant-Man movie. Um, 
but they've all been helmed by Peyton Reed. This is the first one written by Jeff Loveness, who he's a comedy writer. Bulk of his work is in late night TV. He wrote for the Jimmy Kimmel show, bro. One of your favorites, I know, for years. Kimmel? I like Kimmel better than Fallon. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And most notably, Rick and Morty. He's worked on a couple episodes of Rick and Morty. So that explains like the multi-universal element um, and why they maybe brought him in coupled with his experience with humor and writing for comedy and shit. Um, But for like a, for like a, a writer whose entire basic resume, basically his entire resume is in comedy. Uh, I would have expected this to be funnier. I don't know. It was funny. We laughed a lot, but I don't know if we were always laughing with it more so than like we were sort of laughing at it. And sometimes the Marvel movies do want you or do understand that that's the or that is the intention of some of these movies is to laugh at ourselves or for you to laugh at this. I feel like I was laughing more because of the actors like elevating the humor as opposed to the actual writing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just. And there's like a lot of um, um, you, there's a lot of um benefit to writing humor into these movies just because it's so. Some of it's like ironic, or some of it is just so outrageous, and and like that's part of the humor. It's like oh, we're in a superhero movie, like that. That's part of the humor. But um, before we get into like the movie itself and what we thought, uh, how. Is your phone on or is that the iPad? Yeah, it's the iPad. Oh, no worries. How strong is your fanhood for the MCU, bro? Has it? I know we we've seen all. You've seen almost every movie. I've missed a few. One of them actually is in the Ant Man trilogy. Uh, so like, where are you now? You want to give a little brief history of where, how it's evolved over time? I think it's changed for a lot of people over time, um, and not for the better. Uh, but yeah, you want to kind of cover that before we get into the movie itself yeah i mean i don't know like generally speaking like um it's basically been the like like it's really had no competition you know like uh, like there has been some decent dc movies in the meantime that like i remember like shit like back to when this shit first started um all the dc stuff was better i mean granted it wasn't in a universe or anything but like we had the Dark Knight in two thousand two thousand eight, and we had like, like most of the all the good That's comic book movies were DC, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And there's nothing really that great that was Marvel. I mean, the first Iron Man was cool, but what year was that? Oh, t- oh, t- that one was two thousand eight too. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, like at the very beginning of this, I force like I kind of did not see Marvel like taking over the way it has. I don't think even they saw it. Everyone says that. Yeah. You know, it's, it kind of, that's why yeah. it's worked. That's like one of the reasons why it's worked because there was never a plan for this and it kind of happened organically, they yeah. they claim. I guess where I'm at now is like, and, and this isn't even really me kissing the actor's ass or anything. I just, I just feel like the combination, like the original Avengers team and like the original core of actors before and the support, I guess the support they had around them with the writing and the directors and world class, like their shared vision. Yeah. Like I felt like that was like, I don't know. It, just, it was just better than what we're getting now. I feel like now it's, it's a lot more formulaic and it's, it's kind of, 
losing its focus or or getting complacent. I don't know. Like I, I kind of just when I go into a, a movie now, I, I'm kind of uh, I I see it like is this one gonna feel different or is this one gonna feel like another byproduct of like a Marvel the Marvel machine the thing to get to the next thing to yeah get or, to or the I next I guess thing. if I'm re- I'm really asking like what I really ask before I go and see one of these movies now is like. Is this one going to feel different? That's it. Like, And the ones that have felt different recently, at least for me, were like Wakanda Forever. And don't get me wrong. like, and When I say these movies, like, they still have their, their MCU tropes. like, And issues yeah, as, as films. In- yeah. So like, even, even when they do st- still do different stuff, they are do, still doing a lot of the same shit. So. But yeah, that one felt different. Um, the one that always comes to mind, even, was a, even though it was a while ago, is Winter Soldier. Civil War comes to mind. These sound like more your favorites more than ones that... Well, these are the ones that stand out and they don't feel as formulaic because there's still some, even in the early days, that felt formulaic. You know, like a lot of the Iron Man sequels felt inconsequential and kind of just filling the void and formulaic. And yeah, like even a couple of the... Like the, this last Ant Man and Wasp movie, I liked it, but I mean, it didn't. It, yeah, just a lot of these movies just feel inconsequential now. Yeah, they're just fine, as people yeah. say. It's fine. It's fine. It feels Passable. like like they're more so making them to keep people engaged and remind them, like, oh, like we're here still. Like, like we're here, and and, and these are the things to come. And like, I don't know. I I would appreciate more. It, it kind of it's kind of the same logic with like music these days, right? People are always wanting a new album from their favorite artists and stuff, but like. You're going to get a better product if you give people time to develop ideas. And when you rush out so many of your projects, while while also we were just talking about that, while also like postponing the ones that we're looking forward to the most, it, you kind of, I, I guess, like, we don't know what goes goes on in these fucking boardrooms and behind closed doors, all these contracts and stuff. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I'd rather wait longer for a more interesting movie or like and not to say like this is like the worst movie ever i guess what i'm trying to say is like i I would rather wait longer for more interesting characters to get developed than kind of keep the ones that that people aren't as invested in relevant yeah like does ant-man really did he really need three movies yeah yeah those are questions yeah those are questions (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah marvel seems to be resting on their laurels as of late as being one, as being basically the only game in town, they've kind of taken advantage yeah. of that. I think maybe I don't know, but most of these movies, if you think about them, they're assigned to the filmmakers. They're not like most films are a product of either the writer or the director's passion or original idea or something. There's something else at the core that's driving, that's driven them into fruition and into ultimately in, into our into our world and their visions. And most of these are, like I said, assigned. Like, we need to fill these up. So we search for a writer who seems like he would be, well, you know, who has a history of a, a, of nailing these tones or these themes that would probably work well here. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's a different way of making films that I think is beginning to reveal itself because most of these pro- most of these movies just don't feel like there's a whole lot of... Um, passion behind them and say which like there makes me think about black adam and how much of a passion product project that was 
for the rock i didn't see that film but um i wonder if it feels any if it felt any different knowing how much the rock cared about that property and about bringing that character to the big screen um but i feel like that maybe maybe what's going on here too you know what i'm saying like people are like the filmmakers behind this they they have a deadline like these movies are announced years in advance and they sort of seem more so like i said like assignments and more so than like i don't know like a like a regular film that's just made because someone had this idea this vision that they need to share that they need to express themselves through um but yeah i'm we're going off a little bit but do you you kind of name some of your favorites so those do you want to shout out any other favorites i guess of course like the uh, the infinity the infinity wars and end game those are those are probably yeah, the last top two. five. Yeah, if I could just boil it down to five and no order. Um, it feels cheap picking more than like one Avengers movie, so I'll, I'll just pick one. I, I guess Infinity War. Because Infinity War had stakes. You know, people fucking died. Even if they came back, whatever. They died for a minute, too. At least five years, right? Whatever. And, they died and there's stakes. And in a year and about a year in the real world, right? That was five years in the real world. No, I'm saying. Um, oh, and like between movies, what was it? It was like year? a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, okay. a year. No, it was like a year. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, fucking. But yeah, that one, Infinity War, um, Black Panther. So, I don't want to pick more than one Captain America too. So, uh. Civil War, nah, Winter Soldier. Civil War is like an event, like a different movie. So Civil War and Winter Soldier, that's four. And then I don't know. Like I want to pick one of the Spider Man yeah, movies, but it's your favorite, it's your it's your goat, right? Huh? That's your goat. That's your goat superhero, right? Or or no? I've always considered him like like who Batman is to me. Your it's your Spider Man. Spider Man is to you, right? Or, yeah, I like Spider Man a lot, but. Fuck, I don't know. You like the Raimi universe more, so right? I mean, the first two Spider Mans are like classic, top, top ten, top eight, <laughs> all time for me. But um, we should yeah, do a retrospect see. on that. That'd be yeah. fun. What else is there that that was good? I like Thor Ragnarok a lot. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Thor Ragnarok's tight. That's, a, that's, that's silly an interesting, and shit. eclectic top five there. Yeah, that one's tight. Uh, yeah, I didn't prepare a list, but for me, I've always say I always say Black Panther, um, Winter Soldier too, just because I love that genre, like, like the spy thriller genre, and it felt the action, the the practice, like that movie has probably the most the least visual effects of any other Marvel movie, probably maybe I don't know, um, yeah, Thor Ragnarok is 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 hilarious, uh, even the first Guardians like. Oh the, yeah. The experience of watching the first Guardians yeah. is something I'll never really forget just cuz it was it was just that's when they really kind of were that's when all this silly funny shit yeah, started. Yeah, like they really broke ground and pivoted <laughs> in a different direction and kind of um like rebranded themselves in a way and yeah. and that was refreshing. Um and and probably one. I mean, yeah, probably Infinity War or Endgame. I I, I like both those movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, over and over the years for me, I've um, I've kind of been, I've kind of descended into a casual. I used to like really follow this shit and watch all the movies and really be into it and look, you know. And I feel like I'm just a notch above a casual now. 
You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know if you would consider yourself a casual. Uh, no, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I felt like in the past, like, like, yeah, like they were, you couldn't fuck with them really. So, so it was hard not to, you know, get hyped, like get, get, like be excited for these. Cause there's really nothing else, yeah. you know? Yeah. But now it's, it's almost like the market saturated and like, Sometimes you, you, you like I've delved into comics not that much. I'm not gonna act like I'm a comic book head, but like you see some, or like you read into some of the actual comics that these movies adapt from, and you're like, you realize how much they they don't get it, or they kind of just change the characters just for for changing sake, I guess. I don't know. Like I just feel like. Like I said, like if they had a little more time and focus and a little more um sincerity with whatever visions they have for each movie, I felt like that like I I just find it kind of messed up the idea of announcing stuff before you even have a, a director or, or a cast or anything, a you script. know? And it's just like <laughs> why? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I I just find that odd. Oh yeah, and I'm sure it's a nightmare for the yeah. writer because he has to the writers have to accommodate so many different parties. They have to tell a unique story or at least an original narrative story that makes sense. That's the one thing I feel that's been abandoned in some of these movies where like if I if I would have if I see like their list of priorities, it doesn't seem like tell a compelling two hour story with interesting characters and interesting themes and and cohesive action and pacing more so like I think the number one priority is like to move the franchise as a whole forward or in a new direction like the franchise takes precedence over yeah. everything else and, um, and i feel like it, that wasn't always the case because you know when we were there for the 2013 comic-con and when they announced certain projects there like they spoke on them and like they were at least in, like pretty far developed or they had the, their team around them you know like i feel like it's different i mean obviously it's probably case by case when it comes to Marvel, like, I feel like it's more common for us now, or I don't know, maybe we, it's just because we pay attention more, but I don't know. I would say, like, it's more common for us to hear now, like, oh, so-and-so drops out, or so-and-so, uh, there's a new writer for this, and this and that, and then we even hear it coming from some of the people involved themselves. Like, I've read a couple articles stating how Mahershala, he's disappointed in the, in the Blade pro- script. Yeah, in the, br- the Blade progress of that movie, and like, that he basically kind of feels like it's like what the fuck's going on? Like this needs to they've announced this kind of this what's gonna be like three four years ago, right? What really? Yeah, the, this was I'm pretty sure when they announced that it was before before the pandemic. The, pandemic. the, yeah. the last one before the pandemic. Yeah, so it must have been it's gonna be four years and nothing, no nothing really, no other cast really. I mean, they, do they have a cast? No, I don't no, think so. Huh? But they have directors. One of the directors fell out, and they got these two guys. These two guys, I think, or either the two guys had fallen out. I forget. See how confusing it is. But yeah, the like... the directors fell out. Yeah. The script I hear is Mahershala. I don't know how true. Like he did, he didn't really come out and say something. It was more like a source. Yeah, but yeah. It was a pretty re- like reliable source apparently. Yeah. That said, he's been disappointed with the script. That there's like one action scene. I remember that being. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that being like the main point of that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's what that goes back to me saying what I was saying about it. It 
being like an assignment and not an original vision that just needs to exist and need like they're they're plugging these holes just because they need to keep going they need to keep that the content wheel churning and it's starting to feel like it i think a bit um i mean i still have fun in these movies you know like it's it's not like (laughs) my like i said my like you say your expectations have been have kind of been um you kind of leveled your expectations going into these and they're fun they're you know most of the time they're fun um some at, at at worst they're really bad or um like thor love and thunder was pretty like one of the worst ones i'd seen in a while but like i've enjoyed all the other ones like shang chi i really liked yeah um everything in phase five i really liked um and that one felt good too because it wasn't it wasn't so in your face about connecting to all the other no that shit. one felt like a very contained story yeah yeah and that that's it's probably the most one of the most contained of in phase five. Yeah. And maybe Wakanda. Um, but everyone expected Doctor Strange to be this big like franchise mover, for, like sh- like shift the paradigm of the MCU. And it didn't do that at all. Right. It kind of didn't like change anything, really. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was fun for what it was. We had fun at that. We walked out saying, yeah, that was tight. But then when you sit and think about it, you're like, but where are we now? And how did it move forward? And. I mean, I guess it did because there's it introduced incursions, and that's supposed to be where we're going next. Yeah, it's that's like the what you fucking hear in like all these properties. Yeah, incursions. Before that, I don't think I ever heard that word in my life, (laughs) and now I hear it. You know, I use it in my day to day vocabulary now. I'm talking to you guys or whatever. (laughs) Um. But uh, real briefly before we like break, get back into the movie. Yet. You've seen all the shows. We've seen all the shows, right? I haven't seen. Oh, uh, Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel, or right? What is it called? Yeah, Miss. Miss Marvel. Yeah, Miss Marvel. Yeah. Right. I haven't seen that one. That one's fun. I've never seen Black Widow the movie. I've kind of wanted to see it just out of curiosity, but I just haven't got around to committing. And then to the it. fact that it's like a flashback. Yeah. Is like kind of dis. Like um yeah, it doesn't get me too excited, but yeah, yeah people have have kind of said that's like the worst one in yeah. Phase Five. But yeah, all the shows we're fans of the shows. Uh, people think that people the one that people are lowest on in the shows is the uh, Captain America and the and the Winter Soldier or sorry Winter Soldier and Falcon, whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> uh, but that one was fine. I remember watching that and I was the invested. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, Falcon oh, and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> Captain America and the Winter Soldier is still accurate, whatever, the show. Yeah. The Captain America show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like that one. That one was, was fun. Yeah, I like that one. Um, Loki is probably the best one. Yeah, for sure, for sure, easily. All right, anyways, let's get into Quantumania. Overall impression, this movie's a mess. Visually, narratively, tonally, thematically, it's, a, it's an overall mess. But did I have fun? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean... Yeah, and that's kind of where we're at with these movies. Um, at best, it's derivative of a lot of other, like science fiction franchises, uh, pulling from Star Wars, and it's even pulling from even the Marvel's own catalog. Like straight up, seems like kind of a just a re copy paste of other Marvel movies in in some in some ways. Yeah, like formulaic, I guess. Yeah, like um, the whole like. 
kid fucking something up and uh, the reluctant like older hero steps in to kind of correct things. It's basically like the Spider-Man, Doctor Strange dynamic between yeah. Cassie and Scott. Um, yeah. But it had it had highlights like Kang is probably everyone keeps pointing to Kang is the as the best thing about this movie and uh Corey from Double Toasted made an interesting point he said it's also the it's it's at the same time the worst thing right because yeah. of the way they use him and we'll get more into that but when i when he said that i was like yes that's uh, 100% true and that's so weird but true um i think it's other highlights of the movie it's well paced i think it's funny it has some pretty interesting visual ideas um it's not afraid to get weird and gross and i applaud it for that you know like gotta respect it like there's some weird stuff like gross stuff that happens in this movie that's um (laughs) that might put some people off uh i like some of these new characters like quaz and gentora i thought gentora was great uh the the actress katie o'brien i thought she was awesome william harper jackson i'm already a fan of and though his character is kind of like reduced to like comedic relief i thought it was some of the funniest stuff in the movie veb played by dave and desmalchian i thought his 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 stuff was funny so yeah like these new quantum characters i thought they were great um and then um like of course like i said the kang stuff one of my favorite sequences in the film is the flashback to kang and janet so those are some of the highlights for me um and then some of the low lights it, it takes a long time to get started like this whole movie starts twice basically um so yeah that's that's something the way it uses kang like i mentioned earlier that Corey pointed out i agree like though kang himself and the performance from jonathan majors is great the the way they use him and the way it's ultimately concludes is is confusing um and 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 just and, and just unsatisfying as a whole i'm not sure if this is the movie that that Kang should have been introduced in and this is a question that a lot of people are asking and I would probably say yeah like expectations of Ant-Man movies are for for every one of these movies are different for each one you expect something different from a Spider-Man movie or at least you're supposed to I mean you go in with an expectation that Ant-Man movie is different from than what you would expect from like a Captain America movie you know it's diff it just has a different feel and Doctor Strange has a different feel they all have these little different different feels and I'm not sure if Kang's tone and and what what he brings is compatible with like an Ant-Man film. So that leads to like the clashing of tones. That's another like low light for me. Some of the visual effects are pretty uneven. The side characters are all very thinly drawn. The relationships between them are also pretty thin, I thought. There's a lot of shit going on. It's overstuffed. A lot of ideas that are half-baked, never really fully realized or explained. So, yeah, I mean, it's a mixed bag, to be frank, to be, uh, in so many words, that's where, that's where I land on it, bro. What about, what about you? I mean, like, if we're, if we're on, like, a one to ten rating system, I could probably give it, like, a, like, a six, six and a half. Yeah. So, like, a, like, a C, maybe C plus, best case scenario. Yeah, what about okay, so what did you like about it? I mean, I like the cast. I've always liked these cast of actors. I think Michael Douglas and Paul Rudd and Michelle Pfeiffer and the other chick, I forgot her name, Evangeline Lilly, right? She, mm-hmm. They're all they all have good chemistry and 
they all kind of elevate the material, even if the writing and direction or what have you aren't particularly, um, st don't particularly stand out. Like the core of characters usually always um, amplifies it. I mean, for me, like, I've, I've really enjoyed the last couple of Ant-Man movies because they, they've kind of felt more on their own, like, little side, like, side quest, side adventure. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that, like, just focusing on, like, an odd hero and, and it, but without the, the need of a team, right? Because usually, like, the comedic, silly shit is, is reserved to Guardians of the Galaxy in space and they have the the advantage of being in space so they can get even more weird but i've i've always liked the ant-man movies cuz like they're silly on a, on a more human earth grounded ground scale. kind of grounded level Gro yeah on a little Louis. i mean it's still it's still science fiction or whatever this one's probably the most obviously science fiction of the 3 by far but yeah i mean highlights basically were um uh, all the kang stuff even the, even if it does fall out of place i'm not going to argue that it does and i've seen a lot of people make good points but essentially saying like if you're introducing a thanos level villain you know or like the next thanos or the hair to thanos whatever like p pitting them against ant-man doesn't make any sense really and then also yeah. like I, I did like the because for anyone i mean if you haven't watched like they honestly should have advertised this movie like watch loki like if you're going to watch this movie, watch Loki, like, for sure. Because it almost kind of, um, it it devalues his reveal in that show. Because I remember when that happened, people were like, holy shit. Like, we thought this film wasn't going to come into, like, another, like, for, like, years to come or whatever. Like, it felt like he had just got announced. Yeah. And then the next couple. Well, he wasn't couple, even announced. It was rumored. He yeah, never was. Uh... Yeah. Within a couple of weeks, he's on the biggest Marvel show at the time. And. And he obviously killed that role in the, in those scenes. And he who remains is uh, who we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's still fucking king. No, no, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just referencing. Yeah, in there, he's he who remains. It made more sense there because you know we're dealing with um the like different timelines and all the multiverse stuff. That was kind of the beginning of that. So to introduce him here. And it's obviously a different version of him, but I mean, it's the same actor, like, and then it does connect, like, spoiler alert, whatever, it does connect at the end back to Loki, but, yeah, I don't know, it just felt like an odd choice to essentially introduce him twice, and yeah, it almost made it feel like, because I almost felt like we were getting to a point where, like, at least early on, like, the couple of the, of the first shows early on, I was like, damn, like, this is cool because if it, it feels like we're given more time to, you know, it's um, supplemental to the main universe franchise, right? Yeah, but we're given more time, especially with like the newer characters or characters we never really focused on. Yeah, smaller. Like, characters. We're, like we're given more time to, you know, really explore their dilemmas and the characters and all that good shit. But then, not too long, you know, it did start start feeling like formulaic. Like there were a lot of filler episodes that were like. A lot of the endings of those series felt exactly like Marvel movie endings. Yeah, so you got to feed the machine, keep the yeah. Next so thing. like as as innovative and 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 fresh as some of those early TV show TV series felt for the MCU, like it did still kind of suffer the same sins. But yeah, I mean, 
I mean, the worst parts, I mean, for me, I think, yeah, just the, like, like the lack of, of self-awareness. It's like, you're kind of, like I said, you're introducing this Thanos level villain and you're kind of nerfing him. I mean, it makes sense in the movie, the way they're nerfing him. They're like, oh, the quantum realm limits his breach and powers and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it, it, it did kind of feel unnecessary it almost felt like like a marketer or, or someone in marketing or somebody one of the big higher up dudes was like where are we gonna put kang and they're like well we have ant-man like okay we'll just put him in there i guess yeah i feel like ant-man yeah. needed this needed something significant and substantial to remain relevant and they felt like they 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 weren't confident in what they had without this and that they kind of had to plug him in to give it like a bolt, a jolt of life, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. But I mean, I, I, I just think they should be. I mean, who? We don't know better, but I don't know. It's, it's interesting because you know, as the Mar, as Marvel fans have grown older and matured and gone through certain shit, a lot of us are, or a lot of. You think about it, people in 2012, let's say they were like, 16, 14, and now they're late 20s early 30s so um it's interesting to see that a lot of those fans now are kind of turning their backs because they're like we want we want to like we want this these properties to kind of grow with us and not kind of retread old things or like old ideas and and um yeah it's like the opposite of of high school girls we keep getting older and they keep getting (laughs) they keep saying the same age yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I, that's why the backlash is so big on this, and that's why people are so divided, and it's gotten a rotten score. I, I mean, oh, yeah, I we do, didn't mention that it's the, 50, yeah. the lowest rated movie I think ever, right? One of the like since yeah, I don't know since Thor Dark I mean, World. You and I mean, I have my beef with Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong; like it is helpful uh, if you, but if you look into it more, but if you just use it as a like, yeah, this is. Like if you just look at some look at the score and and don't look into it deeper than that, I think it's it's problematic. Well, critics because... are already antagonistic towards Marvel. Yeah. I think they already are playing from behind with critics. So unless you really hit, you can expect like tepid uh, tepid reviews coming from critics, real film critics. But even the audience score was pretty low on this. Yeah. So that was um surprising. But yeah, like I was saying, like I think it's problematic if if you do only rely on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, to get a, for lack of better words, professional or or critic opinion on something. You got to like have like you and I, we have a couple people we trust yeah. pretty well, and and they've recommended plenty of movies that weren't the highest score or, or maybe were even rotten that we enjoyed. So. Or the opposite, like something yeah. that's really celebrated that may not be as good. I'll yeah. still check it out, but no, yeah, yeah. I understand, but yeah, I think this movie's being treated a bit unfairly. I think a lot of yeah. people, no, are, yeah, but, but it still is like warranted. Like a lot of people's complaints are warranted, but sure. I think what what people are really reviewing and really having issue with is the MCU machine as a whole. Yeah. So that's that. I feel like that's what's getting critiqued more than the actual movie, which is fair. Which is also fair because if you want to rest on the strengths of the MCU, then you have to take everything with it, which is yeah, this too, yeah, exactly. And it, and if you want the benefits of like, oh, this shared universe, everything connects, and blah blah blah, 
um, it's it makes sense that one movie gets singled out, especially one that people don't enjoy, and and they're using this movie basically as a catalyst to to judge and and propel the out their phase. gripes with the rest of the of the movies and just the whole MCU in in general. I mean, and it makes sense that I mean, he, he, I feel bad for the people involved, like because it is still Ant Man and shit, and it's like, but but I mean, we saw this already with with Thor. And that was a huge one, you know, like that was had everything, it had a big cast, it had huge movie stars and Christian Bale it had everything behind it. And it still got it got its ass beat by critics and fans alike because people were, were basically voicing their con or their, voicing their concerns or their, their discontent for the for the direction of MCU. So. For this movie to basically retread a lot of the things that made that movie kind of basic or kind of mid, <laughs> yeah, mid and like more of the same bullshit, then yeah, this makes sense that that this is gonna get that the same kind of treatment. But yeah, I mean, if 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 I'm really just boiling it all down, if it weren't for the cast and and some of this like. I do agree, like, yeah, like, the, the visual effects were, themselves were choppy and stuff, but, like, the vision and, like, the science fiction element, I enjoyed. The, the Some of the comedy was cool. Um, Ryan Airy from Screen Crest said it perfectly. He said, like, there's a shell of a great movie w- in here somewhere, but it's just, it's not, it's it wasn't there. It wasn't complete. And that goes back to my point of saying, um, you know, maybe if some of these creators behind these movies had more time or were able to get... Or freedom. You never know. Yeah, freedom as well. Yeah, you never know who... So many cooks in the kitchen with these films that you never know where... Well, freedom goes back to time, too, because a lot of people... Like, some of the best things, they take time to develop, you know? Yeah. Like, because you, you bring in your version of a script or, or, or your draft or whatever, and that gets critiqued and made better best case scenario but sometimes they're like all right well we got to get it out so this will do you know yeah but yeah i mean yeah so that's the way i feel about it it's like there is there are some pieces of a good movie in there but it's just it's not there overall yeah well let's run down some of some some of like the story elements and some of the plots so we open up in the quantum realm and i thought that was cool i like the visual I, like i said i didn't see the second one so it, i was a little bit like uh, I didn't really understand everything, but I just trusted the movie that it's going to catch you up, and it did. Like I understood right away that Janet was in the quantum realm, um, and then we see Kang for the first time, and you see him. He's like this abandoned soldier. I thought that was a cool way. That's actually the first time we see him in the film, and I like that. Like I, I kind of like that. That was like one of the highlights for me is that cold open, and like I said earlier, that the whole flashback. Um, I just like the there were some interesting visual ideas for, from the jump there. I thought it looked cool, like the like the his ship coming in in, in from the sky. The, all that was was pretty tight, and I was like, okay, this is gonna be different. Um, and then we get to the real world, and Scott, you know, Scott has just wrote a book. Look out for the little guy, and this is like a real book that's being sold um, in the real world, bro. I don't know. The whole time I was wondering, I was like, how many pages is this shit? Like who committed to that idea? Who got, like, who I can't imagine it's more than like a hundred pages. I don't know. Someone paid somebody to write that book, and well, they actually yeah. wrote it. It's crazy. And he's touring his book. He's very proud of his book. He's reading it, getting the readings. Uh, I thought that was funny. And we've heard about him having a podcast too, right? In uh in other 
or in, I, don't, I think it was Endgame. Was it Endgame where they, they mentioned the podcast too in Miss Marvel? I think, or it might have been Spider Man. Oh, Spider Man. So he's capitalizing on his fifteen minutes. I think he has to. He doesn't have no superpowers. So I mean, uh, he's doing the most with with what he's given. But and essentially, he's kind of retired. And uh, Cassie, we we get introduced to Cassie. She plays a critical role in the film and. She's sort of the like the emotional heartbeat of the film, or at least she's supposed to be. Did she work for you in the movie, Cassie? Or that whole relationship and that whole dynamic? It felt a little underdeveloped and, and rushed. And don't get me wrong, is like, like she was kind of bratty and annoying, but I mean what she was saying She's had, validi- had validity, you know, like when she kinda of makes a jab about about like taking care of herself uh, and kind of throwing the jab that he wasn't there, which he wasn't. Fool was either locked up or stuck in the quantum <laughs> So like, I know um, how to take care of myself by now. Yeah. Or something like I'm used to taking care of yeah, myself. Yeah, but like how how quickly they glossed over that, I was like, they could have done a little more with the tension there. He almost felt like like a pushover dad, you know, and, and that fits him as well. You know, it wasn't far fetched. Yeah, he's a feel... he's a fuck up. He's a he's been yeah. in prison. He's not a good. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's gonna be a pushover. But I, I did. I, I don't know. Like it, it felt like like they were trying to kind of have have their cake and eat it too with that because they're like we are we are getting into like the, the very first interaction with them. There is a little tension and and spite from her but then as soon as she enters like the they enter the quantum realm they're all like lovey-dovey like son and daughter again yeah i mean sort of she's still on his ass in the quantum realm sort of about the same things that she's she was on his ass on the outside for so so we get introduced to her she's in a jail cell she disturbed she's she was locked up for disturbing the peace and we find out it's like her we find out it's like her third time in jail and uh and the way that that jail is played for laughs here struck me. Uh, I kind of, I kind of um, cringed at that because jail is a serious, some serious shit. And and if she wasn't like this pretty white girl, if she was uh got you know if she was black or Mexican, like uh, things might have gone differently for her. I don't think she would have gotten this many chances. So I don't know. I'm just more sensitive to that stuff now. I think. But well, that that goes to another thing. It goes to show you like. Uh, that's why it annoys Privileged. me when, when I hear people are like, oh, the movies are so different now and they're so concerned with this and that. I mean, aesthetically, they've come a long way, but um, structurally and narratively and and conceptually, like, they they haven't gr- changed that much. You know, like, there's still that, those crumbs, not even crumbs, there's still blatant privilege issues and, like, misogyny and stuff like that i mean you have to look deeper it's not as obvious but it is still pretty and obvious and a lot of stuff that we watch especially too yeah so i'm not sure if it's white privilege or or superhero privilege i'll leave the leave it up to you to to decide listener but um this whole scene it's used to like establish her activism which we see her exercising later in the quantum realm so uh yeah i thought it was it was fine seeing that tension i understood okay this is going to be like the driving force of the film and that's fine i like that family dynamic i think the whole ant family is pretty they all have pretty good chemistry so yeah that and and that was what i was mentioning yeah like the the scene at dinner was funny um 
I always love to see Michael Douglas. I hear that he's like kind of getting tired of these films and he wants to be killed off or something. I heard yeah. people saying that, but I hope not. I hope they keep Hank around. I thought he he had one of the better episodes of, um, oh, what's this? What if? What if? Yes, thank you. Fucking killing all the Avengers. Yeah. That was so funny. That was crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I love to see Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. I thought was really great in this. I forget how good of an actor she is. You know, like uh, she. We just. Sort of, sort of, she's sort of been remembered as like just this beautiful, pretty woman, but that girl can act. She gets down. Yeah, even with her character being like insufferably annoying with like her mysterious trauma, name. like she could tell she's like, like she's like cat. She has like cat level, Catwoman level trauma. Yeah, but but there were like two or three, two or three too many scenes where they're like, "Tell us what's going on," and then like it gets to a point where you're like, "Just fucking tell them." Yeah. Because you keep showing their characters being annoyed with her, and then you, as the audience, you're like, "Fuck, bitch! Like, we're in the shit now. Like, <laughs> just fucking tell us." Yeah, this goes back to me saying the movie took forever to start. If she would have just fucking spilled the beans at the top, we would have saved us all a whole lot of time. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- th- those scenes almost felt like they were just trying to. They were just there to extend the the movie and it kind mm-hmm. of uh, amplify the the drama. And, and don't get me wrong, like. When she does finally tell you what it is, it makes sense as to why she is so like keeps that shit so close to the chest. But I just felt like the scenes in which they're making or like they're begging her to essentially begging her to tell them, and then she's being so close, like closed off. It, it didn't really align with her character, considering when it comes to everything else, she's so generous and she's like, she, like, like they're such a close unit, you know. I didn't buy that she would keep. She would keep so much secrecy from them. So how long was she away yeah. from them in the real world? The same amount of like thirty years or something. Thirty years. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that's that's addressed in the Wasp movie or the second yeah. movie, right? Like yeah. the whole that whole movie is them trying to repair repair their relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think the whole movie really like. You should still watch that movie. It's good. Yeah. Doubles down. The whole movie doubles down on revving up the reveal of Kang, and this 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 um is also guilty of that. Um, getting into the quantum realm felt like it took a little too long. Uh, they get the dinner scene, and and Scott just wants to be a dad. He's retired. He wants to kick his feet up and and kind of just chill out and be a dad. Like he says, all I want to do is be a dad. And Cassie's like, no, I don't need a dad. I need you to do something. There's people in need. Look, homeless people who have been displaced by the blip. They need your help, Dad. Uh, I thought that was an interesting. Uh, th- that idea has been introduced before, right? Like displaced people, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's, right, yeah. that's like the, in, what the entire villain motivation was. I yeah. forgot what her name was, but she was a good actress. I think that's an interesting story that keeps yeah. getting like glossed over in some of these in, in these movies that I think would be worth uh, investing further and expo- exploring further. I think that's interesting. I don't know, especially with the street level characters yeah like daredevil like daredevil like i don't know if she again like they keep reintroducing these characters in the wrong and, and not quote not wrong but in just questionable f- franchises like introducing daredevil and she hulk yeah there's a comic book where they team up but that's like an obscure it's not one of the most well-known comic books anyways i, I don't want to get off track but yeah like introducing these characters i feel like they're not aligning the tones and the themes of some of these characters but yeah that, like uh so th- that was interesting to to see surface again these homeless these displaced homeless people and 
and everyone's kind of giving Scott shit. Even Michael or Hank, Hank is giving him shit. And Scott's like, give me a break. I, I literally saved the world. And they're all kind of just hating on him. I, Janet cracks a joke. You should, you should write a book. Uh, I thought that was funny. Um, and then we see that Hank and Cassie have been working on some ant science. Michael does like Michael Doug, uh, Michael Douglas says, and that ant science and is, is, is so basically, as I understand it, this is what rips open the quantum realm and, and possibly the multiverse and is eventually what's going to fuck everything up, right? Like this little ant science project. So if it wasn't for Hank and Cassie fucking around in the basement, we wouldn't be here. Is that, yeah. do I have that right? I mean, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so that so she she can't wait to show Scott what she's been working on, and you see Janet kind of freaking out, like what the fuck you've been communicating with the quantum realm, and they get a response. And I thought it was Kang, and I guess it technically is Kang, but Modok, we get introduced to, or we later learn that Modok is the one that detects her signal, and he alerts Kang to use his tech to pull them into the quantum realm. So uh, <laughs> wrap your brain around that. But Modok, mechanized organism designed only for killing. Uh, is the one who pulls them in. How do you feel about Modok, bro? In the movie, did you uh, are you a fan of Modok? You fucking with Modok? <laughs> the look is. I mean, uh, I, I told it you grew on you, it, right, or what? It just like it's off-putting. For, it, it felt like they went. They literally were showing his face to be like, "Hey, it looks fuck, it looks funny, right? Like, <laughs> it's, it's silly, right? Like, it's a visual like, gag. Yeah, it's a visual gag, but. Then they also, I don't know. Yeah, it was just like the, like the cheap humor element of it kind of bothered me. But it kept getting you, bro. I heard you giggling. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it just I, I was giggling at the fact of like, like this shit is just stupid. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying about yeah. Marvel movies aren't, aren't they're they're they have the, their dignity for self humiliation. They're not afraid to humiliate themselves. Basically, they know that we're laughing at them. I think sometimes. And they're okay with that. As long as you're fucking yeah. laughing, as long as your ass is in the seat, it's fine. Yeah, and people make the argument, it's like, oh, it, it would look silly no matter what. But, I mean... Corey pointed out some pretty cool designs from different comics that, like, may have worked better. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like you said, exactly. it, fe- it looked like a Snapchat filter. Yeah, yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah. yeah. So, But besides the way his look, how did you feel of his role? This is another clash of tone, I think, like, the wackiness and weirdness of this film, which this film explores in other ways too, but uh, I was like, well, it, it it took me aback, honestly, because um, I just wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I mean, the execution was like, like I said, I mean, I gave this movie a six out of ten. So even with that, that like it wasn't earned, but I mean, the it, it it like you can make an argument for an ex- its inclusion because it ties things back to the first movie like that's one of the first things Cassie says when she's in the car she's like oh uh, a a bee a guy dressed as a bee tried to get in my room when I was six so then it all it all comes back together and then with how like him him getting stuck there because of them and then him pulling them back in like that's interesting yeah I didn't but, think I mean, of it that way you're right but they don't give you really any time to sit with that because they're they're too busy trying to introduce King and do all this other or make shit. you laugh at his, how yeah or make how you laugh absurd at, he at looks. How, how ridiculous he looks and then the whole Darren gag I thought that was funny because it, it does tie back to their familiarity and history with him because he did 
um he was part of hank's he did help or he yeah he ran hank's company yeah. and stuff like that well i guess you answered my next question which was yeah. does having modok in this film hurt or harm the harm it and you would say it pr- probably does a little bit of both i think for me it, it having like a basically a minion in this film kind of <laughs> subtracts several points off of kang's formidability you know like I can't take him as serious if Modok wasn't there. I don't know. Like Thanos would never put up with Modok shit. He would have uh, uh, removed Modok from the equation, you know, many uh, years. Like, he would have never even had a shot. I don't know. So I think like it does hurt Kang's credibility a little bit, but I don't know if it helps the movie. I mean, it, honestly, it was like some of the funniest parts of the movie. So it's hard for me to argue like it's a better movie without him. But I think Kang would have been didn't he didn't really need him but i felt like you said it it kind of ties back previous themes from other from the earlier films uh it kind of ties all that up or it makes sense thematically and kind of is satisfying when you look at it the way you just explained so yeah, so yeah like i that. said the execution is is not great but um i i would argue like his his place and he he does earn a place in his in the film yeah not yeah in in when you're looking at the bigger story of of um Scott and Cassie and on all that yeah it goes back to what I was saying about the movie being stuffed like there are so many ideas here so many things they yeah. want to fit in that do have a place and probably have a strong argument for belonging here but there's just too many things I think and this may be one of them but yeah you're right it, it I think he does <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this but it, it's a better movie because of him. Yeah, they could have made it, it like they could have made it work. Like making that work would have made this uh, a better movie, I think. Well, I mean, they they make it yeah. work on some levels, I think. But making it like work well would would um give this movie more credibility, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that goes back to what you're saying about about Kang, you know, like if whether or not you want to argue his inclusion at all. I think there's an argument to be made there because um, us being introduced, like I said earlier, this formidable villain and having one of the, our essentially our side protagonists defeat him like relatively easily kind of diminishes his whole overall value. But then there's an argument to be made, well, it wasn't the most powerful king, but it's like, I don't know, like, it, it, it makes me almost r- regret their their selection of this character because if they're just going to go in the bag of like oh well you know we have another king so then what the fuck's the point of establishing any of them yeah i want to talk about that later and if they're sort of oh my god yeah (laughs) that's even that's that's a whole other like yeah bag of worms or yeah it is like it's a and it's an interesting idea or it's an interesting tool in a character for the creators to play with all this idea that he exists in infinite variables or in in infinite forms but are they using that tool or that attribute of this character to its full effect and i don't know if they are yet or if they figure out how do we even do that but maybe they're just playing with things and exploring different ways of doing that but the fact you know kang's main attribute is that he exists in several different dimensions and when you're a creator and you step into these pre-existing proper comic book properties, each character has their own tools and skill sets and, and uh, you get to play with them in hopefully new and different ways. And 
I don't know if they're doing it. The I don't know if they figure out figured out how to play with Kang's like multi-dimensional real or existence yet. You know. Yeah. Uh, once they get to the quantum realm, the Ant family, everyone, so they're, they're split up. It's Cassie and Scott, and then Hope, Janet, and Hank. Um, and right away. So this is like the first beginning of the movie. I felt like I didn't, I didn't, I remember you said if, that the whole movie is going to take place in like the quantum realm and you weren't kidding. It's basically the entire, we're, we're, this is going to be the setting for the rest of the film. Yeah, they're probably in the real world for like five minutes, yeah, if that. in the beginning and then, yeah. Um, And I thought it, it didn't look, like I said, there, at some parts it looks cool and interesting and bold and it's weird and all these there's all these different species and all these different the environments bizarre and they have a ship that you have to stick your hands in it's almost like my hank is like steering this ship through its ass like through its asshole i don't know it's weird <laughs> too right i don't know it's weird and um so there's a lot of interesting funny like bold visual ideas in this world but how did you feel about um spending like the the entire movie in this in this in this world here. It's a new world, world we've never been in before, right? I liked the the um, almost like the like the Star Wars mm-hmm. level element with it, but I I guess I guess it's specific some of the backdrops like um like uh, I don't know, like that that look of like disoriented or just like molecular shit. It, it gets like old after. Yeah, it's a while. very busy, and it and there's no. It's hard to understand the depth of the characters or where they're at, or just the or how big oh, everything. Yeah, exactly. Is. Over, the yeah. overall scale, and this hurts a lot of the action scenes. Like it's hard to understand where people are, uh, just because the backgrounds are so busy and and. And there's just so many conflicting colors and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so much yeah. happening. Some of the close-up action is pretty well done. I know I remember you me- mentioned that. Yeah. But the larger scale, like there's a there's a battle in the middle of the film uh between the freedom fighters and and Kang's army and that was rough. But um I respect like the weirdness of it. Like there's like this Tuscan Raider ritual once the, uh, Cassie and Scott get captured by like these uh Tuscan Raider types. And like you said, it it's heavily referencing Star Wars. It's like mm. not shy about it at all, and I respect it because not other many, not a, not many other franchises have the balls to do it to this blatantly and obviously. But uh, uh, I mean, it's the same company too, so may as well. Yeah. Fuck it. But um, and then we get introduced to a couple new characters I mentioned earlier that I was fans of. I know most people their mileage may vary, but. Uh, I was happy to see William Harper Jackson, but disappointed at the same time since he was rumored to play Reed Richards or he was in contention or maybe fan casting. And that's sort of basically out of the equation now. But I love that actor and this role he plays as like this mind reading um, kind of leader of this group. I thought it was hilarious uh, <laughs> uh, when he's just uh, reading human thoughts or he doesn't want to read thoughts like it's it's a burden for him. He's just He's just fed up with his whole existence. He seems miserable. The fact that he can read everyone's thoughts at all times. I thought that was funny. Um, and then I was a fan of Jen Tora. Like some people are saying like, what is she even doing in this film? And she sort of serves as this ser- like this audience or not this audience, excuse me, the surrogate for this colony of freedom fighters, these indigenous people who have been um, sort of basically they were gent like the, uh, 
Kang has basically committed genocide on their on their on their people and she's very vengeful and um I like this actress her she's very physically imposing and I thought she was she worked she had really she's just she's I liked her I don't know she's a good actor too I've seen her before I said she was Boba Fett but it's Mandalorian she's in Mandalorian she's one of the imperial officers there that was the first time I had seen her um the character Veb played by David Desmalchian I thought that was that was pretty funny the holes thing I don't know seven holes bro is it I thought we I was counting in the movie and then I stopped but I, we have more than seven holes. Well, the belly button doesn't count. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not counting the belly button. Okay, okay. Two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. What? There's... You got your eyeballs? I, eyes don't count. What? You don't have... No, eyes don't count. Okay, if eyes don't count... You can't really... No, eyes don't count. I was count. counting the eyes. No. Okay. <laughs> Maybe if you don't have an eye, then it'll count. <laughs> but I uh, know eyes don't count. Uh... You can't stick something in your eye and and, ha- and then it go be in your body without damaging your eye. Oh, okay. You that know? was like the first two holes. I'm like, yeah, these they got two big holes in my. You can stick stuff in your nose and in your ears and they say not cause permanent damage. I mean, one hole would be a lot more painful than the rest. Yeah. Well, the eyes are the holes to the soul, is what I've always been taught mm-hmm. in poet and you know whatever. <laughs> but um. Yeah, what about you? Did you like the, the, the indigenous freedom fighters here? Quaz, Gentora, Beb? You fan? It, it didn't even hit me till the end of the movie that that was David Desmalchian, I think. David Desmalchian. Um, Who we're a fan of, big fan of. Yeah, he's tight. Like, what is it, Polka Dot Man? He's, that's like probably like his best role. <laughs> and then, I mean, his most memorable roles for us are in The Dark Knight and... Uh, Prisoners. Prisoners, yeah. yeah. He, he just plays a creep. Ultimate creep. But, just if you ever need a yeah. creepy looking creep. Yeah, I like seeing him included in this movie considering he was in the last two but as a completely different character with like a Russian accent and whatnot. Yeah. So that was cool to see get him get to see him like just try something completely different out. He's, he's a little underutilized of the three. It's probably Oh yeah. For Gentora sure. probably as Gentora obviously has the biggest role and he's kind of I forgot he was in the I mean not forgot, but he pops up at the end in an interesting way that was kind of nice. But, uh, yeah, he's not featured in the film a lot. Yeah. But what about William Harper? I, I like I liked his whole bit. I, I liked like him fun, a lot. And, and that's the thing. It made me kind of bummed. It's like, damn, you saved this guy for this role? Yeah. You know? Like, why? Like, either his agent sucks or he was just like, a check's a I check. I need the bag now. Rent yeah, is due. Like, I don't even. I don't. And I get it. Like I, I'm sure there's so many actors out there who probably don't want to commit. Yeah, but they want to be a part like, of it somehow. Yeah, but like, like they want to be a part of it, but they don't want to commit to like 20 movies. Yeah, and Reed Richards you know? is going to be a big one. Yeah. So I don't. Even, I wonder if they even talked to him about that. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, but like the idea of the Freedom Fighters is is kind of it's very like cliche a little bit cliche it's clumsily and hurriedly introduced i thought and we're asked immediately to invest in their struggle um and cassie is all in like uh her her activism is sort of established earlier in the film and that's why it's there right so that this makes sense and that that so it's it's when scott's prom primary concern is just to get the hell out of the quantum realm cassie wants to stay and help these people and that sort of kind of serves as like a 
as her motivation throughout the the rest of the film. Did you find that satisfactory or her like her whole cause and wanting to join the cause? Did you buy it? Did it work for you? Um I guess they weren't confident enough in the relationship between Cassie and Scott to have that be like the driving force of the film, like to like how are we going to just spend all the whole movie of, with them just wanting to get out? There had to be something else. Um, so, yeah, I feel like that they may have not have been as confident in the relationship with Cassie and Scott, like you mentioned earlier. But uh, I mean, it makes sense for a character because she's young and naive and excited. Like all these things still excite her. Yeah, whereas she wants to be a Scott her, is kind of hero. His safety is or, or their safety is more important. Obviously, because he, I mean, when you, or when you defeat someone like Thanos, I mean, that's it. I would want to retire too, fuck it, <laughs> you know? But, um, not that he did it on his own, but, like, he was definitely a vital part of that whole mission, so. Yeah. And once Gentora yeah. discovers that they're humans, she, like, becomes enraged, like, because humans are human. We, she, we learn, she's referring to Janet later as, as what's responsible for banishing Kang to their to their to the quantum realm and he eventually like took it over and dominated it and so she's very like prejudiced and, and like specious towards humans like she right away like clunks them all together she's like oh you're a fucking filthy human get the fuck out of here I thought that was funny that she's a little bit prejudiced towards human just because one one of us fucked up doesn't mean all of us are fuck ups you know give us a shot Gentora yeah. um but I thought that was interesting and then, uh, so then we, we spent some time with Hank and Janet and, and Hope. And so they're trying to get out too, right? I kind of forgot what, what their whole, everyone's trying to get out. And, uh, Janet's like, I know a guy who can help us get out. And well, I think they're trying to find Scott and Cassie. Oh, that's what their motivation yeah. was. I, I can't remember if they were just trying to get out yeah. or trying to find them. And uh, we get Bill Murray, bro. I guess he was in the trailers. I, I had no idea this fool was in this movie. I'm I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of I was never a huge fan of Bill Murray, bro. And I understand the culture's obsession with him. To a, to, I don't. I mean, I understand that it exists <laughs> and that it's there. He doesn't. He's not the same sort of icon to us Mexican American people, maybe as he is to another uh, <laughs> another demographic. I'll say. <laughs> I know there's some people. Even in the bear, you're like what? Yeah. Even his his mention in the bear. Yeah, his cultural resonance odd. among them, amongst the whites, is yeah. uh, unmatched, unrivaled. He's one of their goats, and uh, he's fine. But uh, at this point, I was like, I bet you there's so many people in this audience who have no fucking idea who this guy is. You know, like. Well, I mean, then then that's good because also like, he wasn't playing the role of like uh, just another bill murray cameo because that's a thing too like even zombie line he played himself yeah and then there's been a bunch of other um is, is it that how do you say his name jim jermush yeah, Jar- you ever seen coffee and cigarettes mm-hmm. you heard mm-hmm. that one he was in that wu-tang one that wu-tang like short part with giza and rizza and he plays himself in that too yeah. so like well i think bill murray cameoing as himself is a thing so i was glad to see they weren't like, oh, hey, it's Bill Murray, and like he he was ba- he was he was pretty tamed. It's basically Bill Murray. It's basically a yeah, Bill Murray. Yeah, but I mean, he, it, like, it could have been worse. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, it was just like could have been it was like it could have been worse, and it could have been like more like eye roll inducing, and it wasn't. Yeah, 
He was here one second and then he was gone. And it could have been right, funnier. Cool. It could have been better too. Like his jokes were kind of it's just this weird dynamic between him and Hank. We learned that him and Janet were romantic and Hank's <laughs> jealous and uh she says something like you that I felt was very meta and I wonder if it went over Bill Murray's head where she says something like thirty years ago he was very charming or you wouldn't be able to resist this guy's charm thirty years ago and I'm like, That's true about Bill Murray, like he's not the same. <laughs> He's not he's not the same anymore. Yeah. So I could have done without that whole bit. And we learned that he's sort of been drinking the Kool-Aid now. He keep they they keep mentioning him. I forget to mention Jen Torres, like you're the one that brought him in. So that's the first him, him. So Kang is really him, bro. As this movie wants you to understand. And Bill Murray says him, 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 him too as well. That he's uh that it's better to serve him or whatever. So it seems like he's kind of relinquished to Kang. Um, and most people here are. So it was ended up being sort of a trap. And Hank bails them out, right? And they, they escape. They, they escape, basically. I think that's how it went down. Um, and I'm, I think this is around the time where we get that flashbang, flashback to Kang. And Janet and Kang. And this is probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. I thought they had really good chemistry. Uh, but the relationship and, and motivation for Kang was, was thin. But... Jonathan Majors really shines in this little bit here. Like you remember, you're reminded why he's such a good actor. He has so much humanity and like, um, he brings so much of his, he's like so soulful and the way he just talks so like quietly, he says the way he's talking to Janet about time. It's so sexy, bro. Like the motherfucker is sexy. He said, he tells her time isn't what you think it is. Time is a prison. And he says all these little, um, he's just waxing poetic all over the place about time and yeah like this this part worked for me as a whole there's a lot of things that are like introduced ideas that are introduced that are never really fully explained but i forget about them just because the performances and the chemistry are so good but um we we he basically explains to janet that he's trapped here his his ship is damaged and he needs it to he needs to repair it and get back home and Janet takes a liking to him. I mean, how could you not? This motherfucker is charming. And she agrees to help him repair his ship. And then she, I, don't, I forget, what does she touch that she's able to see into his mind? That was. She says something about his ship being connected. It's like a bio. Being bio connected metric? to his mind. Yeah. So when she touched that part of the, or certain part of the ship. She tapped into his mind. I don't know. Some superhero. Yeah. Shit. And you see her seeing all these things happening. And at first I thought, okay, like, you know, since Kang exists infinitely in different possibilities, I was like, is this, is he not even aware of what she is watching or what she's seeing? Because he hasn't lived through that yet. And, and what she's seeing is a different version of him. But immediately you see the turn and, and you understand that this is who he is. He's always been him. And that this is that, he's been sort of manipulating her this whole time. Did you see that coming or I thought it would be like him be like, no, like that's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you've seen, but then, but then you see him transform into his full King armor. Um, but I thought it almost maybe would have been interesting if, but I guess it wouldn't have served the story or moved the story forward. If he was a Kang that hadn't, um, I guess conquered all those worlds yet. Yeah. I mean, no, I thought it was fine. Yeah. And then he exp- I I kind of like when when villains introduce themselves as like 
um, trustworthy. Yeah, yeah, and, you're, yeah. And, and I like when it happens quicker. You know, like I find it annoying and it's kind of a trope when someone's been loyal for so long and then I don't know where they're like, oh, yeah, you betray- I betrayed you because this thing you did two, three years ago. Yeah. It's like I like when they're when the, at first they seem trustworthy and then a couple of minutes or whatever, not even that long days, not long, not a long time pa- passes and then they betray you or they. They reveal who they really are. I like that. Yeah, those, and um, you be and like another thing made me just think. It makes me think of Aaron Eckhart as Two Face in the Dark Knight, where you spend a lot of time with him. It's it's a little different. It's not the same thing, but you spend a lot of time with him before the turn, and it makes your feelings even more complex and complicated once he has turned because you see you were first introduced to him. You first see him as a as a real as a real person with real life and emotion and wants and desires and pain and all that and you see all that even if it's not on the page it's in major's performance he seems like a fully realized person and that's an interesting yeah. way to introduce kang this version of kang at least because he, he, he i don't know like he and ende- he's endeared to you as the audience and he endears himself to the audience you know he's very appealing and you're gravitated towards him and then you realize that he's this monster it makes your yeah. feelings of him even more complicated so yeah i i, I like that I like this introduction to him, even though it's like the third what time we've been introduced to him. Um, yeah. But going back, this movie takes a long time to get to even this point. And so, like I said, this movie seems to start twice. There's a lot of alluding to him and to Kang. And and um, once we finally do get introduced to him in the present time, like we get this flashback before we even get him into the quantum realm. Um, this scene is probably another highlight of the film when he has... Cassie and Scott captured, which he captured them in that battle, right? With the freedom fighters, his, 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 his soldiers captured them in that battle. And then they brought him back to his quarters. Um, and we get basically the same exposition dump from Loki. He kind of explains his whole origin. So it's not required viewing Loki for you to understand who this person is. They kind of refresh this all over again. Um, it's almost basically the same idea i mean of course he who remains had his, has a different spin and perspective on the whole shit but the rules are basically the same um and he's kind of known as the exiled one so all the other variants of kang have exiled him to this place um and that's where that's that's finally now we understand why he's here and, and what happened and, and then we get a little bit of a modok origin story too so he basically found him in he found him all fucked up, kind of like how Palpatine found Vader. It reminded me of that. And he kind of, yeah. it's very uh, on the nose and like the imagery of them putting him together and, and putting the Modoc suit together. Was butt cheeks. <laughs> yeah. Minion butt cheeks. Yeah. Um, reminded me of Darth Vader. So, yeah, this movie's not afraid to get weird and, and kooky. So, like I said, I respect it for that. But, um, yeah, so finally now we're kind of in the shit with, with Kang and with MODOK and everyone. and He basically needs to get the hell out of the quantum realm so he could stop the the, the other Kangs from destroying all the incursions or to, to causing all the incursions, which will ultimately destroy the multiverse. And his whole thing is to get the hell out of the quantum realm. It's not clear how long he's been down there, right? Is it? Does he say? It's been hundreds of years, a long time, I guess. I mean, he's been down there a little less than Janet yeah. was. So, um, how'd you, so how'd you feel about this whole first interaction with Scott 
this whole uh, this whole combo or yeah kind of teased a lot in the trailers and yeah I saw a lot of it in you're an interesting in man like, Scott Lang um, in marketing for the movie I saw most of it um I thought it was good I mean he's intimidating I like how soft spoken he is and and stuff yeah he's doing very he's doing very he's he's doing something very to like um sinister it's almost very sinister he's still, his confidence is so uh yeah he's he's very imposing in in the way he he's he's a little bit ruthless too like he's not he says he'll kill Cassie right here unless Scott agrees to help him get out and help him repair this part of the ship and um he's choking her and he has her upside down and shit and uh you kind of are reminded right away of how powerful not only how powerful he is but how ruthless he is um and Scott agrees to help out and we we see him have to sh- he basically has to shrink down right shrink down to get into the engine of that part or get into the engine and fix it and that's where we see this whole uh that's where Kang kind of warns him that your mind will begin to was it Kang who warns him or Modok who warns him that Modok that yeah. his mind's going to begin to unravel a bit and then yeah. you see that happening once Scott is down there and and he kind of multiplies himself and that's another cool visual idea and <laughs> uh I, th- I know you were laughing you thought this part was cool visually and just thematically um and then yeah so you want to talk about this part a little bit and you, I know this this had me laughing and I thought it was cool yeah it was the probabilities right so it's kind of like a play on the variants yeah, not, so they're they're not they're not variants from of Scott from another universe they're they're probabilities of him if his choices or of his direction from the point he he began to see a, a lot of them. So, so it makes sense as we go later on in the scene that we, we see all the probabilities like um, basically look past themselves and, and they're reminded of doing of why they're doing it in the first place is to save Cassie. I thought that was, I thought that worked like, in terms of like the um for lack of better words like soap drama or uh, soap opera kind of yeah like the emotional theme fi- heartbeat yeah like the emotional like father daughter like cute thing i th- i thought that was a, a good way of, of, of uh, a good visual metaphor for that like basically all probabilities all sides of his personality or all of his emotions however you want you interpreted it um fighting together to get to the mission accomplished. I thought that was a good visual, um, good visual storytelling right there. And then the, I mean, the Baskin Robbins version of him doesn't really make sense because why the fuck would he be there? But I mean, it's still funny to funny. see. And then like the fake name tag says Jack or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. yeah, you make a great point that the yeah. one unifying desire that they all share is this love for Cassie, right? And that's what yeah. ultimately brings them together. World War. It calms them down too, because at first they're all going nuts, fucking stomping over each yeah. other and stuff. But then as soon as they hear her voice or they hear, they're reminded of her. Yeah. And then they kind of become in sync. Yeah. World War Z style. They all help each other yeah. pile up and get to the top and fix the fix the broken particle. And ultimately, he does that. I, I'm a little lost on what happens next, but the ship is repaired. Kang is basically able to escape now, right? Yeah, and, but before that, Gentora 
who's been captured, she's freed by Cassie, and Cassie rallies all of her troops, and they kind of um, v- try to kill Kang. Not s- well, Cassie escapes too, right? Because I was thinking, like, how did Cassie escape? But she was she was getting walked by like the faceless dumbass soldiers, and then she beats their yeah. ass, and then she frees. Yeah. Jin- Gentora. Gentora. Yeah. And you would think that Kang would have kept a closer eye on her, but I guess he just. He underestimated. He the, just wants to get out. He doesn't give. Yeah, that. he underestimated how useless his soldiers were. Yeah, his clone soldiers. <laughs> yeah. That that was like a. I thought they were like like for, for how much I appreciated some of the other visual ideas and designs of the characters and alien species in the film. I thought the soldiers were they were lazy, yeah, very generic, yeah. just like the blank, like face mask. I thought it was weak. Um, robot robotic voice, like not even a real voice. Yeah. Like, like stormtroopers, like a poor man stormtrooper, which is really saying something. It's not even like a lot of the stormtroopers had way more like personality and identity. Yeah, they hate their jobs. Guys. They have a little bit more yeah. uh, spunk. <laughs> these were like a cut below droids, and that's saying. Oh uh, yeah, that's a more uh, accurate. Droids, even reference. droids had some humor at yeah. least. <laughs> Basically, droids. <laughs> Stupid humor, but whatever. Um. But yeah, you would. So Gentor wants to kill Kang, and he just wants to get out. She's she's not really like trying to get him to not escape, right? That's not her motivation. She just wants to kill him, avenge all her people. Um, so they kind of team up. She teams up with Cassie to stop him to kill him, basically. And we get this final battle sequence, which is kind of required in all of these Marvel films. You got to have some sort of final battle. Um. This final battle was almost completely void of any memorable moments for me personally, just because, like I said, it's hard to understand the scale of a lot of this action. Gentora, like whenever the action like came down to size and was focused in on Gentora and some of her hand to hand shit, she seemed like she was doing a lot of her own stunts. So that shit was cool. But as far as like the white, the big scale fight, um, I don't know. It didn't it didn't do much for me. It just felt too familiar, like we were saying during. It felt like the ending of Rise of Skywalker or a thousand other like types of movies. Especially, I, I mean, props to Catherine Newton. Like she did a good, she acted well in the scene where she's motivating everyone to to fight. But like we've seen that in how many, however many oh, shows, yeah, however like many Andor, movies, like, like yeah, a call to arms. Yeah, but like. Well, Andor's a good example of like how you could find do something formulaic and and make it still feel original because, you know, y- y- you spend so much time with the prisoners. Yeah, like, yeah, like when you when you take the time and you earn it, like it feels more natural. It doesn't feel as yeah. Forced, this whole you know? thing like, with the freedom fighters. I mean, they had no choice. They only have so yeah. much time in this film. They couldn't commit. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say like it, it's it's not a, inherently a bad thing to you know. To rip off of or or to to do a certain movie trope if you do it well, but I mean it's it's the these these examples go to show you how hard it is to do it well yeah. because if it's not earned or if it's rushed you're then you're instantly reminded like didn't we see this in Rise of Skywalker didn't we see this exact thing and this and yeah. that because if you take your time even the best movies you can you could do that too like while you saw a similar ending in this movie like. Certain things are gonna feel retreaded. It, it's it's we've gone to a point in culture in like the history of cinema. Like it, you can f- essentially find an example of an original idea occurring earlier. Yeah. 
or what you thought was an original idea occurring earlier in, a, in an earlier yeah, movie. Everything's like derivative. Yeah, everything's derivative. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, there's there's a smart way to do it, and there's a more blatant and half half baked way of doing it. And that's what this felt like. Yeah, like Paul Schrader says, he's all I copy everyone. Paul Schrader, writer of Taxi Driver and uh, First Reformed and films like that, he's always saying like I copy everyone, but you have to you have to bring something different and unique to your copy. You can't simply copy and paste and borrow. Yeah. You could borrow from him. There's so many resources, but. Uh, yeah, the call to arms, like, it just felt rushed. Like, there's too many things going on that we're asked to care about too many things. We're supposed to care about Cassie. We're supposed to care about Scott. And and we're supposed to care about Jen Tora and her struggle and Janet and her trauma and Kang and his things. So there's just, we're, we're, our investment can only be um, diversified in so many different ways. And at the end, this is supposed to be, like, the, the like, like, the, like the climactic moment is our is our, I guess, um, support of this cause of for the freedom fighters, and I don't I don't know if it worked. It felt like just a means to an end. Like we need some sort of army to fight Kang's army, and the only army that exists in this world is are these people. Um, but Scott and and Cassie you know, join the fight, and they both go giant. Like Cassie goes giant. We were. Uh, so, like, the fact that Cassie had a suit is a surprise to Scott, I guess. Um, she has a character name, right, bro? Do you know what the character name is? But she's part of the Young Avengers. No, I don't remember. Let me see. But you get to see her kind of flex in her suit. Um, did that work? Did that work for you to see her in action a bit, finally? I mean, honestly, I was I was anticipating, I was waiting for her to to turn that big, or to to like have the giant man. Mm-hmm. Stinger is her is her comic book name, I guess. Yeah, the giant man ability or whatever they call Ant Man when he gets big. Like yeah. That. Um, yeah, I mean, it looked cool. It was it was alright. It was tight. It was cool, like how she beat Modok's ass, like nothing. Yeah. No, I mean, that was funny. yeah. They had a they had a score to settle. She didn't forget that six year old. And and home invasion that 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 uh, Darren pulled, uh, Cassie has a has a score to set up a bone to pick with this. So I thought that was kind of satisfying thematically, and like you said, mm. kind of circling back full circle to earlier films. Um, and she kind of teaches him this lesson that it's to not be a dick, and he sort of has this weird redemption, and he kind of is uh, he's kind of critical in the role of defeating Kang's army in a, in a way. Uh, I don't know if it's completely earned or not, but uh, he gets to die in Avenger, bro. He <laughs> yeah, that part is kind of funny, I guess. And he finally abandons the name Modok and embraces his true self as Darren. His name is Darren, and he is not a dick. Uh, that was that was one of the funnier moments. So yeah, this movie is better for Modok. So <laughs> that part's pretty funny though, like because I thought she was gonna like squish him or something, but then it made sense. I'm like, she's not gonna like kill somebody when especially when they're already like immobile and shit yeah that would have but when she like leaves him there and he's like his his suit or whatever is all fucked up and he's just like he just got his ass kicked and <laughs> she, he's, all, he's like he's like where are you going come on come on let's go like like let's like let's, let's keep fighting and she's like no <laughs> that that part was funny just because you look at him he he's like he's all fucked up his yeah he's like let his, me at him let me at him yeah he's like come on come on you want to go? Let's go. <laughs> this one. Yeah, he was. And I just like Corey Stoll too. Like it was nice to just see him back. So I guess maybe my opinion or some people's opinion 
of this character are biased is because Corey Stoll is a good actor. Yeah, so. the, it's just the, t- the 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 tonality, the 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 tonal whiplash that occurs because of his conclusion in this film. You know, like it's it's, yeah. it's the only thing that doesn't work, and that's basically one of the issues with the prom- probably the primary issue with the whole film. It's just there's so many different tones. Kang owns this certain tone. He's almost completely humorless. He does have a few couple of funny lines. Um but for the most part he's very serious and there's nothing wrong with that. I love I love what Majors did, but the rest of this movie is like so light and funny and kind of inconsequential or or it seems inconsequential. Um so yeah, like nothing against Modog. It just seems like he was in a different movie, or at least Kang was in a different movie, or somebody was in a different fucking movie. Yeah. Um, Hank comes to the rescue too, and with with all of his big ass ants. Uh, good thing we didn't take mom to this movie, bro. She she wouldn't have enjoyed this this part. It seems like one of her worst nightmares. Nightmare fuel. This movie would have been for her. Our mom cannot stand ants. They're her mortal enemy. She'll she'll <laughs> she'll uh, she'll do whatever it takes to take them out. Um. Finally, Janet somehow rips open a portal back to the real world. I I I don't remember how this happens exactly. Do Do you know, bro? She she kind of accesses some old tech or something, or how does she get out? I think it's the same way they pulled them in. Yeah. I don't know. Well, she. I really don't know. Does it <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how it happened, bro. I'm just trying to follow <laughs> the story cohesively. Uh, I, I she finally know. opens up a portal. This is basically after Kang is. Defeated by Hank's smarty ants, um, which people are having a big problem with. Like, what the fuck? Kang the Conqueror was conquered by ants, um, but may he may or may not have been. We don't know yet. As is what's confusing and frustrating about this. But she opens up the portal, and everyone jumps through except Scott. And uh, Kang knows, spots the portal and he's trying to get out. His suit's all damaged from all the ants. And this is like, you really see the physical, how physically imposing Kang is in this moment. The way he's rushing at the portal, I thought was one of my favorite like action sequences. Just because he's he's just a special effect almost. You know, as people say, Dave Bautista is a special effect because he's so physically imposing. I feel like Jonathan Majors is similarly... Uh, like visually compelling in that way and when the way he's rushing at the portal i mean i mentioned this to you in the film that was kind of a cool shot you just really feel mm-hmm. like the physicality of him and, and you're reminded holy shit this guy is very powerful very strong it's, full, it's on full display in this whole fight with scott he's beating the shit out of scott um but some people are like scott ant-man would have no chance against kang but He's been kind of, his suit's all fucked up. He's kind of been, he's in the quantum realm where all of his power isn't uh, available to him, I guess. So the fight is a bit, I guess the the fight's even because of that. But what did you, did, do you have an issue with Scott being able to take down Kang here? I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> really? Yeah. And that's people's whole dilemma. Like, what, everything you just said. Yeah encapsulates people's whole dilemma with this or this the bad taste in their mouth when they watch this movie i mean and it's and it's valid too i guess it's because we never we barely get to see him at his and it's also nice to start interrupt you but it's also nice to see because it shows you that at least a good amount of people are now paying attention to the source material right 
they're like, well, everyone's saying or I'm hearing at the very least people are, they, they have heard word through word of mouth, the kind of power King has or best case scenario, like more comic book, um, like people who are more passionate about these type of movies or this, um, format or this genre, like they would know from like reading all of the the comic books featuring Kang, like his power levels. So I guess that is a, a good to see, you know, cause maybe if this was an earlier film, the MCU people wouldn't really care about that. They would they'd just be like, Oh, if it's a good compelling villain, whatever. But it kind of, to me, at least it kind of points to the fact that people are paying attention to the source material and the power levels that of certain characters that are, um, developed and, and, and are on display in the comic books themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think yeah. Marvel's like uh, my most of my understanding of Kang's prowess is coming from just background re- not research but just my me being plugged into the content and me me being plugged into the culture of this shit. But the movies themselves, I'm not sure if they've earned that Marvel sort of inherited all the goodwill coming from the comic books, and um, they they they're allowed to do their own thing, but they have they yeah. have set him up by by making the announcing the next two big Avengers movies as him as the yeah. primary villain. So it's not like they're backing down from the expectation of Kang. Um, but yeah, that's why I say like I don't know if this was the right movie to introduce him with. Um. They try. They do their best. It's an admirable attempt, and and that it's a fun movie as a whole. But as as far as like, I don't know if I was satisfied with King. I was really looking forward to him. You know, being just seeing him him at at his full power. And we barely even get to see that. This was what I was gonna say. Like, we see him destroy a couple of the Freedom Fighters armies, but that's like what like two percent of the whole film, right? Where he's where he's unleashing his blasts and stuff, and it's very like generic blasts like it's not like that like that with Thanos they really take their time when he's interrogating certain people you see how powerful he is the whole part um with Loki and Thor at the beginning of uh uh Infinity and that's Infinity War right yeah um but but even before that you they took their time in establishing his strength and his power and with Kang they're sort of just counting on you understanding comic book lore to have a gauge on his power and that's um i don't know if that's the right way to do it it's a it's a weird it's weird you know like they just trust that the people watching this movie are going to understand how powerful he is like what if a true true casual like mom or like jasmine went into this movie they'd be like that guy was whack or yeah he was he was pretty good but um yeah he lost i don't know you know what i'm saying yeah and yeah that goes yeah so and you see yeah, I don't know. I just feel like he was um not completely fumbled in the movie, but I just uh don't know. Like I said, I think it suffers from him being just being in an Ant-Man movie and him having to lose in the end of this film. I know we say that he wins, which was another cool moment when Janet asks him what he plans to do in that flashback and he says win. That's like one of the highlights of the film or you know, a lot of people are referencing that. Like that was a cool moment, but he loses in this film, so I don't know. Um, but that's basically it. Uh, Scott ends up getting out through the portal. Uh, Kang is somehow sucked into what Charlie Schneider from Emergency Awesome called the the multiverse drive. 
So it's not he's not technically dead, but he's presumed dead. So or not. I don't know. It's confusing. I tried to ask you, bro. You said we don't know. We're trying to find that out. <laughs> but the Council of Kangs, you we'll, we'll get into this. I guess we're we're skipping ahead. But before we get to like the post credit scene, Scott's back in the real world. Everything seems Gucci. Um, he has a moment where he's walking down the street again and there's like this doom that comes over him, this weird panic, like, holy shit, did I leave the oven on kind of energy? Uh, and this is like the movie doubling down on the clashing tone tonality of the film where they're kind of forecasting this huge, or this threat, this very devast, this devastation in a, like a, in a matter of fact kind of jokesy way, right? Like that's kind of a weird, that was kind of a weird moment where he's saying like, did I just fuck everything up? Basically, I know you were watching um, Ryan Airy and his boys, and the guy said that was one of his favorite moments, like that eeriness of that moment. Yeah, Ryan Airy yeah. said that. Um, but I just felt like it was weird because it's like they're playing it for last, but it's supposed to be this very serious thing. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like everything seems inconsequential, but now they're reminding you, like, no, nah, there's gonna be consequences. Yeah. Here. So they, they and it's like it doesn't. It didn't seem like this throughout the whole runtime. But yeah, whatever. like you say, having their cake and eating it too. Yeah. Um, then we get to the post credit scene. We get the Council of Kangs, which a lot of people were excited to see. This is like a big thing in the comic book. Comic books. We see three versions of Kang, Amortis, Ramatut, and the Scarlet Centurion. I guess these are three of the main Kang variants that are kind of the, the, the head of all the other Kangs. And they learn that Kang Prime, I guess we'll refer to him, or the Exiled One, as they refer to him as, has been killed. And this is what you took as confirmation that he has been killed, but now there's questions about whether or not that's true or where he exists now in this multiverse kind of hole is invisible to Immortus and, and Ramata in them. Um, but that's the first post credit scene. What did you think, bro? Did you like the, Did this do anything for you? I mean, it was funny seeing... Majors. Jonathan Majors just go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that's, go what, absolutely that's what I liked nuts, from yeah. it. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean it was yeah. cool. But the second one, the second one really hit, right? And yeah, the second yeah, one was so sick. the second one we get we see Victor Timely and this is the main this is the main Kang. This is the science cuz you hear Kang, you hear uh he who remains call himself a scientist and explorer and this is the true scientist. Victor Timely is the guy who actually cracked this whole thing, right? As far as we understand yes, it. Yes, yeah. So he's the Forgot who I was watching talk about yeah. it. Yeah, one of them he's the original that. one that found a way into the multiverse somehow. I don't. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of it, but that's why Loki has gone as far back to this to this variant of Kang because he's the original one, and that's what we see in this post credit scene. We see Victor Timely putting on this presentation. It's an it's an emporium. What is it like a mat? Like a display of innovation or something? It's like some Thomas Edison, Nicholas Tesla yeah, yeah. shit. And we see Loki and Mobius in the in the uh, audience, and this was a fun this was a funny moment. Um, what did what did what did Mobius say? It doesn't what did, how did he say, bro? What does he say? He says something like I don't know, like he doesn't look all that intimidating. Or he doesn't look. Like sc- that, I think he said scary. He doesn't look that scary <laughs> to me. Or you do a good. Oh, I forgot or terrifying yeah, or some terrifying. shit. I don't, know. I don't know. You do a good one. You do a good. Um, uh oh what's oh I'm drawing a blank on his name. Owen, what's his name? Owen, Owen Wilson. Wilson. Nikola Tesla. I said Nicholas. Nicholas Tesla. Yeah, you do a you do a good <laughs> yeah. Owen Wilson. 
and then we see Hiddleston, and yeah, this was this was clutch, and just um, yeah. So Loki's coming up pretty soon, so that that was dope to see. I thought that was a that was a fun way to conclude the movie. A little bit confusing again, like it's just a reminder. It feels like Marvel reminding you, hey, you have to tune into this other thing too if you want to keep up. So that's uh what it is, but um, yeah. But that's the shit that we like. That goes back to what we were saying earlier. Like that's why we enjoyed Loki so much because. It wasn't afraid to, to do something in t- like very different, yeah. and and to kind of validate. Because I remember when they first announced it, I'm like, like I like Loki. Don't get me wrong, but like I was hoping they had a good story to um to argue why he's still around. You know, because like we've seen this fool die like four times already, and and that was what was so great about that they show. They finally is, like, found a place for him. Yeah. Yeah, they found a place for him, and and it, in the story, it really justified his, I guess, like his importance in the in the bigger picture of the movies. But like Tom Tom Hiddleston has has really earned that, and and that's kind of happened organically. Like they did not plan for the success of this character or for Tom Hiddleston to take the character to this the depth the depths that he has. So they kind of lucked out with that. But I mean, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like sometimes it's better to to not plan these things ahead and to kind of let them happen organically. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not going to know what's going to hit with audience, no matter how good it looks on paper. You don't know what's going to yeah, hit. Yeah, great point. And so there's so many factors, yeah. you know? Really great points, but, bro. Um, yeah. But yeah, and like not only that, but like the story itself of what he's trying to do serves his character as Loki because he has so many regrets. He has a history of doing mm-hmm. terrible, diabolical things. So it makes sense that he would want to involve himself in sort of making things right you know or like going yeah making, and making amends, amends and, and, through time, yeah, through time. so it, it not he's not there just because uh, you know what i'm saying like it, it works as it serves him as a character this type of mission this type of adventure the the elements of this adventure kind of make sense for him thematically yeah his involvement in the bigger story is justified yeah. with this yeah. series yeah uh any other closing thoughts bro before we get out of here I mean, I like the way that I was gonna say. I like the way that 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 second credit after credit scene was shot. Like it, like it almost reminded me. I mean, and not to. I mean, I, I guess we have to bring this up. Like with all the. I mean, we don't know what's gonna happen, but um, to hopefully, with James Gunn taking over at DC, that will kind of make the competition. Yeah, make the comp- make there be competition in this genre again, and because I mean. In anything really, the best things come out of competition, yeah. right? So, like, like for I, I would use Madden as an example. Like, that's why so many people have have kind of become indifferent with the Madden game because EA and everyone involved with that game, they are, they know they're the only comp, like they have no competition, so they kind of just settle. They they give out a mediocre product year after year, and um, MCU. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because they've it's only up until the last couple of years that they've started to come out, bring out some like half baked um, movies and series. But yeah, it would be nice to see DC with all their plans kind of elevate Marvel, uh, elevate and, and force some competition and to make, to make DC not, or not DC, sorry, to make Marvel not be afraid to take bigger swings. Cause I was telling you, like we were walking out theater. I was like, I would like to see movies that, especially if we're introducing the multiverse, like, that 
that's an opportunity to have movies that that won't ever connect with this MCU universe we see now. Like maybe we'll have an Easter egg, whatever. But like, I think it'd be nice to just have movies be one offs, and that would inspire or that would like bring in better talent, um, talent as well. Because like, if you tell them like literally, this is the only movie mm-hmm. you have to do, just one movie. That's it. I think more people are open to that idea than. Because like I said earlier, I'm sure there's a lot of actors and directors and, and writers who are like, dude, I don't want to be stuck to Marvel and Disney yeah. and feeding the machine for 10 years mm-hmm. of my life. Like people don't people want some freedom and then it would spark the creative freedom as well. If you if you weren't boxing to the bigger story, like because I'm sure that gets annoying while like, oh, I want to bring this character in while they died in this movie or they're here right now in this universe. That shit probably gets hella annoying. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, and and yeah, it'll like it'll attract better talent for sure, and yeah, like just having standalone films would be interesting to yeah. see. Um, but yeah, I think that's that wrap that about wraps it up. The one thing I we kind of mentioned it earlier is like I'm not sure if Marvel understands Kang as a character yet, or at least what they've done with him. I'm not sure if they there's so much room and so much character. Uh, attributes or abilities that he has that they that are in, that would be interesting to explore, and I'm not sure if they're exploring it effectively yet. There's they still the lucky the the good thing is they have so many different chances, and I'm not sure they're kind of like taking advantage of that, and like oh if we fucked it up this way we could do it again in another way, or if people didn't like this version we have so many other versions. So that's I wonder how many times how many chances they're gonna get from us, but um this wasn't like a complete owl, but. Um, for him being the first, for this being the f- basically the first time we see him out of the gate, I'm not sure if it hit it, if it hit it out of the park or not. Um, what's happened yeah. with this multiverse thing is like it seems to have lowered the stakes of everything. Like once the yeah, multiverse is introduced, exactly. it's like all of a sudden everything seems less important, which is weird, you know. And that, and it already felt less important, and yeah. that was one of the big. That's still one of the biggest gripes from the from like. Go, drawing back to the creation of Marvel, like we've been saying since even the Iron Man movie, the very first Iron Man movie, like you can you can literally point out and like the movies that have really good villains or compelling villains or that have stakes and that have people dying, like you remember those and and not to say like I mean you have to find a balance, right? I don't want or it wouldn't be good for heroes or villains alike to be dying on the regular but i mean at first they killed off villains like nothing like there was no consequence like i kind of like when they bring back villains i think that's kind of a a good idea sometimes and and that maybe that's why i i did i didn't mind modok's placement in this movie because it's tying things back together as opposed to thinking that he just died you know but um yeah like and I'm, I mean, it is, but I think that that's not not just an MCU problem. Like, a good villain, a good comic book villain, is very hard to accomplish because you're limited by, like, the genre itself. Because usually the bad guy's always gonna lose, and then, um, it's so easy to come off corny and stuff. So whenever you do see a compelling, um, villain portrayal by an actor, like it always stands out. But I mean, I just think a lot of the villains need to be better written or or at least spend spend some time um really fleshing them out and really making them making the even if heroes don't die we should 
the stakes should feel more real and and certain things need to not feel so uh what's the word like trivial light not like well like convenient yeah. right like when you like when we were talking about the portal opening it's just like i mean, I mean could we have had something else yeah. happen like i don't know i don't know i get it though and, and like you're there's always going to be that argument of like oh well it's a comic book movie well it's a comic book movie and honestly that's hard to argue against that because yeah i mean and that goes back to what i was saying about certain marvel fans like growing up and and we're just kind of have to kind of or or some people are going to have to just kind of realize like these movies are maybe these movies aren't for us anymore or maybe not every single movie is for yeah. us anymore and that's fine you know like kids or younger people should be able to enjoy these movies but even some younger people now like they're like nah this is <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah we'll, we'll see. see you have to find a balance i guess yeah we'll see i mean like you said hopefully dc lights a fire up under their ass and we'll see if that does yeah. what it does but um shout out jonathan majors for sure and you mentioned like a good villain namor from black panther was really great yeah and i'm excited yeah. to see more of him but that's an example of a of a villain being well done and, and i thought king was overall well done but it re- it rests heavily on majors just charisma and performance so i'm not sure if the writers or the filmmakers deserve all of the credit um but it is what it is yeah and i was gonna say earlier too like i, th- I feel like the the unlimited like potential attached to this character of Kang of of essentially there being endless copies of him like it probably sounded good to them on paper like oh there's so many possibilities with that but now they've kind of put themselves in a corner of of the fact that there is so many possibilities and so many outcomes with him it's hard to just focus on one at any yeah. given time and that and that's kind of what I was getting at earlier I was like I wish they would have just kept this kept him at least with loki like uh, on loki's side of uh of the story at least for one season before they introduce him in a movie yeah because yeah. it almost makes his introduction in loki feel super inco- inconsequential now yeah yeah, yeah that's no, true not. even though it's not it's really not like th- that that scene with him it, it's it still holds up yeah. it's great but it it kind of feels like they weren't confident in that, and they're like, "We got to introduce him, like, in a movie because a movie is." Well, there was the promises made in that scene yeah. that they have to follow up on with these other yeah. films. So, well, it was always going to be a little bit. It was always at risk of ha- losing some of its mystique and, and intrigue once you learn more about Kang. So you you'll never get the experience of watching that for the first time again, and it is what yeah. it is. So, but um. We'll sit, we're gonna see more of Kang, and I'm excited for that. I just hope that they learn some value. They learn the right lessons from this film. All right, everyone, thanks for hanging out with us. That's been our review. Um, tune in. We're gonna be reviewing the next episode of The Last of Us. Shout out if uh, to all the f- friends and family member. If you're listening, you're probably a friend or a family member. Shout out Jazzy and Olivia, Toby, Scott, all the one out there. Um, yeah. Remember your blessings and mind your business. Peace, guys.